This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The 44th annual March for Life has taken place. It attracted hundreds of thousands of marchers from all across the country. Not only is the pro-life movement gaining in numbers, it's gaining momentum. Unlike past marches, the mainstream media took notice this year and gave the march more coverage than ever before. Part of the reason may be because for the first time, a vice president of the United States spoke to the marchers. Also, President Trump publicly challenged ABC journalist David Muir to cover the march. How much coverage did the march receive, and was it objective or biased? I discussed this issue with Katie Yoder, writer and media critic for the Media Research Center on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. Senator James Langford and Representative Jody Heiss introduced a bill in the Senate and the House of Representatives called the Free Speech Fairness Act. The bill is aimed at fixing the Johnson Amendment, a 1954 addition to the tax code that gives the IRS the ability to censor the speech of pastors, churches, and other nonprofit entities on issues related to candidates and elections. The president has indicated he will sign it into law. The head of the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to protecting religious freedom says that after many years of having to fight attempts to restrict the First Amendment's first freedom in court, the tide may finally be turning. First Liberty Institute President and CEO Kelly Shackelford said that Trump's nomination of 10th Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Neil Gorsuch to the U.S. Supreme Court is encouraging because Gorsuch has a, quote, real solid commitment to religious freedom, end quote, as evidenced in his rulings in the landmark Hobby Lobby and Little Sisters of the Poor cases, both of which were upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court last year. A new Rasmussen Reports national telephone and online survey finds that 62% of likely U.S. voters believe most Christians living in the Islamic world are treated unfairly because of their religion. Just 17% disagree, while 21% more are undecided. By comparison, 39% feel most Muslims living in the United States are treated unfairly because of their religion. That's up from 31% last year and is the highest finding in surveys to date. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. Pastor William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. Jesus said some hard things in John 6, and lots of his disciples turned away and stopped following him. He asked the 12 if they wanted to go too. Peter responded for them all, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of eternal life, those are the words your Jesus has for you. Join me for the next broadcast of Thy Strong Word, 11 a.m. Central on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news.
Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance, Sunday at 9.15 a.m. right here on KFUO Radio. Each week I have the privilege of producing a quarter hour of message, music, and prayer blended together to fit a special theme for that day. You'll hear messages of hope and complete confidence in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You'll hear choirs and instrumentals to support the message as well. So I invite you to join me. That's Moments of Assurance, Sunday morning at 9.15 a.m. If you have a question or comment for us at Worldwide KFUO, it's easy to contact us on our website, kfuoam.org. On our homepage, click on Contact Us, where you'll find a map and directions to the station, our telephone numbers, and an online contact form. You can also send an email to our in-studio account, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'd be happy to hear from you today. Thanks for listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Ms. Katie Yoder with the Media Research Center. Katie, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and about the Media Research Center? Sure. Well, the Media Research Center focuses on liberal media bias uh, and talking about different issues and and researching on how the media focus and report on them. And my specialty is I'm a culture reporter, the Joe and Betty Anderlich Fellow here, and I focus on cultural issues and how the media cover them. Uh, and that includes abortion, religion, uh, and entertainment. We just saw back-to-back demonstrations. Uh, one was the Women's March in Washington the day after the inauguration, which had tons and tons of media coverage, even before the uh, the event. And then we had the 44th annual March for Life. Something significant about the March for Life, in the past it has received virtually no coverage, even though it is the longest-running uh, and largest pro, uh, pro-life demonstration in the world. Yet this time, we actually got some coverage. What happened and why? Right. Well, that's correct. Uh, Last year, the three broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, spent just 35 seconds on the March for Life. And then this year, they spent 21 minutes and 52 seconds. So that's a huge jump right there. And uh, we looked at all the transcripts here at Media Research Center, and one thing that I noticed really united the the news coverage was the election of President Trump and his administration. Uh, That really caused the networks to cover this, Um, whether it was Kellyanne Conway and Vice President Mike Pence speaking at the March for Life this year or talking about uh, Trump's upcoming, then upcoming Supreme Court pick. Uh, So that really kind of focused, pushed the networks in a new way to cover this year's March for Life. Well, two things happened that really struck me as being very, very important to the coverage. One was that for the first time, a very high-ranking government official, in this case the vice president of the United States, came out and spoke to the crowd and pledged the uh, administration's support for the pro-life side. The other one was when President Trump challenged David Muir of ABC to cover the uh, the March for Life. Uh, Mr. Muir was asking uh, President Trump about uh, the about the Women's March for uh, March in Washington, and he responded, "Well, what about this other one coming up? Are you going to cover that?" 
And that really sort of uh, put the networks on the spot. Right, exactly. That kind of left Muir speechless. He didn't know what to say uh, because Trump basically said, he said, quote, the the crowds were large at at the Women's March, but you will have a large crowd on Friday, too, which is mostly pro-life people. And Trump went on to say some people said it will be even larger pro-life people, and they say the press doesn't cover them, end quote. So Trump called them out on the network itself during his while they were interviewing him and using the Women's March to say, hey, you need to cover this March for Life, too. And I think you're quite correct. Muir was take, was actually speechless over that. He certainly wasn't expecting that. Right. And I mean, who knows if he knew about the March for Life? His network barely covered it in the past few years. I think another thing, uh, perhaps, that is finally waking up the network culture, the uh, what they call the corridor culture, the coastal culture, is frankly the election of not just Donald Trump, but of the Republicans held on to the Congress and the you know the Senate and the House, and then of course all the governorships and the state legislatures. There's a real sea change out there that caught the media, the mainstream media, totally by surprise. And I think they're finally beginning to wake up that there's a huge story out there that they're missing. Right, exactly. The liberal media have been living in this in this bubble, and it's starting to pop to the American public are starting to, you know, speak up and say, hey, life is an issue that we care about. And they're not just complaining on through avenues like social media, but they're using their votes to express their opinion, too. So I think the liberal media are are starting to wake up to that. I mean, they they didn't see um, now President Trump. They didn't see him winning the liberal media. And that was a surprise for them. So I think that's kind of shaken up their world and and part of the reason why they're now covering the March for Life differently. That plus uh, you, lo- you look at the, uh, the voting breakdown where women were, uh, especially white women, voted in the majority for President Trump. And uh, the white working class, which traditionally had been a Democratic stronghold, also shifted over to the Republican side. Something's happening out there. And it... it People here in the, in the heartland probably were aware of it, but those coastal people were not. And I think they are finally starting to wake up a little bit. Right. The media are realizing that despite what they, despite how they report on things, they, they favored Clinton in their coverage. Um, the broadcast networks, they're, they're waking up to the fact that the American public might disagree with them and that, you know, the media don't control politics. Instead, they should try to report politics. I spent a lot of time in newsrooms throughout my career over the decades, and uh, I found there's, there's not really a conspiracy or anything like that that I saw. What I did see, however, was a culture where they just so many people that were just blind to things that were going on, they literally didn't see. I think one way that we've seen it now, uh, even though we got much better coverage this time around, is how the media keeps referring to this as anti-abortion rather than pro-life, where the other side, they call them pro-choice, not pro-abortion. And that is a very unconscious, but I think very, very real cultural manifestation that we were finding in newsrooms. They honestly don't think about it. Yeah, they they don't try to understand the other side. And there is a discrepancy in their language, a double standard um, when it comes to reporting on people, the pro-life movement in, in their language. Um, and, you know, another difference was 
even in their numbers, um, the media, they tend to downplay how many people attend the March for Life. And, you know, the networks were greatly varied this year. For example, ABC said hundreds of thousands, but NBC said just thousands attended the March for Life. But, you know, of course, uh, the March for Life president, she said during her speech at the March for Life that while they don't really have a solid estimate about how many people attended, there's one number that they care about, and that's 58 million, the number of babies that have died from abortion since 1973 or since Roe v. Wade was passed. I, we had a very strong delegation at the uh, March for Life here at the, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and uh, our people estimates were really hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, we had one group that was waiting off to the side where they wanted to join the march, and they had to wait for an hour and a half as people went by continually before they could actually get into the march. And they also said that there were people on the street who were not actually part of the march who joined it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the march goes on for hours. Uh, it's it's packed, um, and this is something that the media don't really show in their coverage. They don't show the huge crowds. However, Students for Life this year, they created a time-lapse video of the whole march. I'm not sure if you saw, but a few million people watched it, and it shows how many people were passing by one spot um, during the March for Life, the whole entire march, and that kind of puts into perspective how many people were there. So there are groups putting out videos that that we can watch that show the crowds, even if the networks aren't doing that. Can you tell people where to find these videos? Sure. Uh, well, we have one up at newsbusters.org or Students for Life of America. They, on their Facebook page, they have the time-lapse video showing the whole crowd. And as you said, it was, it was huge. Uh, I've heard... The, the most conservative estimate I've heard was 500,000, and I know there's a lot of speculation that it did exceed the 1970, pardon me, the uh, uh, 2013 total of uh, 650,000. So it's, uh, the march is going on, the march is definitely gaining some some uh, momentum here. And, Christelle, we need to see if the media will continue to notice pro-life issues. Of course, now we're shifting over with the uh, to the Supreme Court where the president right. has nominated uh, Mr. Gorsuch to the to the high, high court. He has not ruled in the past on abortion issues, but he is known as a traditional scholar and a constitutionalist. Are we seeing problems with the coverage here? I know some of the Democrats have already said, oh, he's outside the mainstream and an extremist, even though he, when he was appointed to the uh, Tenth Circuit Court, he received unanimous support from the Democrats as well as from the Republicans. <laughs> Right. Well, already, uh, even though, as you said, he, ha he hasn't ruled on a major abortion case, the liberal media and in, in social media, they've been already calling uh, Gorsuch an anti-abortion judge. So they're, they're jumping to conclusions here. I mean, likely looking at how he ruled their favorite Hobby Lobby and the Little Sisters of the Poor cases, you know, he does seem like a, a pro-life judge, but he hasn't ruled on abortion specifically. So the media are already jumping to conclusions about him, and it's instead of giving him a fair chance. Well, we're also seeing... Uh the president has uh, called for the uh, modification of the Johnson Amendment, which would lift certain restrictions on nonprofits. Now, I'm seeing, for example, our, our local newspaper here, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, just published an editorial that says, no, 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 churches should not be able to, to 
to comment on politics. That would come as a huge shock to Martin Luther King, you know, where the the church has certainly led the uh, the political march for uh, equality and the social in the and uh, the civil rights movement. Also, I would point out that the Johnson Amendment refers specifically to nonprofits. Not just uh, not, not just at churches. It could unleash also, for example, Planned Parenthood and the NAACP. I think both organizations rather uh, flagrantly flaunt that uh, ruling. But the thing is, is that now they would be free to do so. Right, and I well, I think one of the main problems conservatives have with the Johnson Amendment is that the language is very vague. So nonprofits and churches aren't sure about the guidelines um, and how far they can go. So the problem is in, in how it can be implemented or how it could be implemented. And that's that's a big problem there that a lot of people are complaining about with the Johnson Amendment. Let's uh, go a little bit of the history of the Johnson Amendment. I think perhaps some of our people and some of our audience aren't aware of it. This was enacted, as, as I recall, back in 1954 when then-Senator, actually I think it was then-Congressman Lyndon Johnson, uh, actually got this thing passed because of some criticism he had received. Uh, are you aware of the history of the amendment? I'm not too familiar with it, but I have heard that Lyndon Johnson did implement it and start it. And I know conservative groups and Christian groups, um, before Trump was even elected, they were they were talking to him about getting rid of the amendment. Well, it's an, it's an actual plank in the uh, Republican platform for this year, is to remove the Johnson Amendment. Now, uh, my understanding is that President uh, Trump is not actually calling for its uh, abolition. He's calling for modification of that law to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, uh, to allow more uh, participation. Yeah, I, I mean, I need to read up more on it. But, yes, it, it seems like he's, he wants to change it Um to, to clarify it, uh, because the language is so vague, and that's been a longstanding problem with how it could be, be implemented towards um, towards churches and nonprofits. Where do we go from here? Uh, the Media Research Center has been around for a while, and uh, we are now seeing... Perhaps finally, uh, we're getting some challenge to the mainstream media. We're starting to see some alternative points of view. I think uh, one of the things we're looking at is the role that social media is taking is taking place in this. This is largely what the MRC does. I think through newsbusters and and other uh, organizations, they're t- actually trying to present another side that the public is not hearing. Is the role of the social media now perhaps uh, increasing and even counterbalancing what we've been seeing within the mainstream media? Yes, absolutely. It's providing an alternative route for people to turn to to see what's actually happening. For example, the March for Life, it was that term was the march was trending on Twitter and Facebook while it was going on. So people didn't have to turn to the networks to hear about the march. All they had to do was look at their Facebook feeds, their Twitter feeds to see pictures and videos of what was what was really happening and going on. So it's it's really uh, great to see the network cover this more. And I think social media might have a part to play in that because people, they express their interest on social media. And I think the networks kind of, they take note of that. 
I think they have as well. Now, even most of the uh, mainstream newspapers and even the uh, the networks also have a presence now on uh, the Internet and on social media. And uh, it's interesting to see the comments from many, many people. So, yeah, there's something is changing out there. Now, President Trump has come in for some criticism for his use of, uh, of uh, Twitter. Without, right. Now, now, without getting into the good or the bad of it, I think one thing it is doing is that he is bypassing the traditional gatekeepers, which would be the mainstream media, uh, where he says something and he's going directly over their head to the American public. To an extent, I can almost uh, relate this to uh, Franklin Roosevelt when he was doing his fireside chats over radio, which is a brand new thing back in the 30s, where he was bypassing newspapers and was going directly into the homes of the people and giving their fireside chat. This is what's happening in Washington. And I think perhaps this is what President Trump is now doing. Right. It does away with with the media filter. I mean, Twitter is very limiting, though, in that it has just a 140-character limit. But, uh, yeah, the, he's going past the media. Uh, and, you know, the media still report on his tweets. They're doing that quite frequently. But people themselves, citizens, can go to his Twitter feed and see exactly what, what he typed. And we'll hear exactly what he has said, where uh, the media may decide, well, gee, this is important or this isn't important. We'll, we'll decide what to pass on to the public. Well, what he's doing now is letting the public decide. Right, right, exactly. And it's going to be interesting to see if this affects how media, the traditional uh, media, now will start to cover. Because they're, they're now seeing... Um, other areas opening up, other challenges to them in their gatekeepers' uh, role. As we talked earlier, social media, there's Facebook, there's uh, blogs, there's uh, uh, sites such as Newsbusters, and now the tweets directly coming from the people in power. And it's not just the president who's doing that. Members of Congress and other people are doing it as well. So we're, we're moving into a new era of information and you know, as a media person, as a journalist, I'm I'm fascinated by this trend, by this change. I, I think you know something is happening here. We're not really sure where it's going to go, but the role of traditional media is going to change. Right, right. And I think instead of the media now saying we want to, t- we'll tell the American public what we want them to hear. They're paying attention to what the pu- American public want to hear. Um, and kind of taking that more into consideration uh, for their news reports. For example, the March for Life this year. So I think social media is playing a very critical role in that point. And as I said, I think we're actually going to be seeing a major change in how journalism functions. Uh, most journalism schools now, for example, will have uh, courses on social media and how they how they are done. I know my alma mater, Northwestern, is doing that. So it's... Uh, it's interesting to see how it goes because the media will be changing. It's only, it reminds me a little bit about when, so when television first came in, people were predicting the demise of radio. Well, that didn't happen, but radio changed, and TV is still with us. And I think maybe this is what's going to be happening here, where uh, social media is coming in, and suddenly the newspapers and the network news are not what they once were. They're, they're faced with something new, and... Like uh, radio did, I think the networks and the traditional media are also going to be changing. That's just my speculation. But you, as a media critic and a media observer, what's your opinion on that? Sure. Well, I 
I agree. Um, I think just looking at this coverage of the March for Life and then also, as you said, colleges are, are teaching social media now. Uh, the newsroom is much more fast-paced, and a lot of people do think, uh, you know, for example, when print media went online, a lot of people thought, oh, like media is going to end, but it didn't. So because media evolved, and I think the media, they have to continue evolving, otherwise they will end. So I think, you know, there's a there's a lot of pressure uh, to survive. They do need to change. They do need to fit the needs of the American people and follow the way that the American people uh, consume their media, consume their news. Uh, we're just about out of time, Katie. I'd like you to be able to tell our audience how they can follow media, uh, the Media Research Center or Newsbusters. As we pointed out, we've got new media here, and you guys are all over it. Yes, please follow us. We're on newsbusters.org. Uh, you can also follow our Facebook pages, Media Research Center, Newsbusters, and I'm on Twitter. My handle is at K underscore Yoder. Well, thank you very much, Katie. I really appreciate you spending the time with us today and explaining how the media are working and it's uh, or not working. It's going to be an interesting <laughs> few times. Sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. If you have a question or comment for us at Worldwide KFUO, it's easy to contact us on our website, kfuoam.org. On our homepage, click on Contact Us, where you'll find a map and directions to the station, our telephone numbers, and an online contact form. You can also send an email to our in-studio account, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'd be happy to hear from you today. Thanks for listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. There's a special place where rare books from times long ago come alive in your imagination. A special place where you can rediscover values that transcend time itself. A special place of adventure, mystery, and drama that's both old and new at the same time. Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on KFUO Radio. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.